This episode has been sponsored by MapHook. Welcome to the gray area where I dispense advice and give interviews on relationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray and this is the 15th podcast in a weekly series titled Dude, It's a Lady. Last week's episode was a conversation with GeekBits on their show and friendships. Please visit www.genesee.com, the gray area homepage, and add to the forum discussion on this topic and to tell me your story. Today is Saturday, April 30th, and this week we speak with Kim from the podcast Ladies of Leet. Welcome to the show, Kim. Uh, I believe you are my third female guest to date. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm going to have to change. The ratio is a little skewed, but... <laughs> it gets that way. All of a sudden, you'll have like a ton of girls, though, you know. <laughs> nice. But thank you very much for having me on. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited. We finally got together. <laughs> Yeah, it took a while, didn't it? (laughs) It did, but that's okay. I love your podcast, and I listen all the time, so I'm very excited to have you on. First, before we get to news of the week, let's introduce you and tell the listeners a little backstory about about your show in case they haven't heard it before. Ladies Elite uh, consists of three women, Kim, Nicole, and Steph, uh, who test new games and discuss their merits and playability. It kind of reminds me of, of like a geeky version of Coffee Talk a little bit. And, you know, there's been so many people to say that, that, you know, our podcast about gaming is a little bit different because they feel like it's three friends sitting around a coffee table, you know, talking and, um, you know, discussing, discussing their games and what they like. And, you know, so I think people can really feel that our friendship comes out in the podcast. I was really surprised to hear that you were on Skype because it really did seem to me that you were in person sitting there just having a nice cup of tea, you know, discussing all that. <laughs> it is nice. I mean, we have um, been together in a room at, at on a couple of our podcasts, um, and those those times are much more fun, of course, but still just being over the net, we still have a blast talking with each other and, and we really are good friends already and we respect each other and we respect each other's position on the topic. So it, it really makes for good conversations. I do like that. It seems like you don't always agree uh, necessarily on your feelings about a game or a particular uh, topic like you're saying, but everybody sort of has their opinion and uh, it, it's good to get a wide view of the entire the entire options for, for how people see things. So I like that. Oh yeah, there's definitely some times that we have very varying <laughs> opinions and, and we can get into some pretty good conversations about them. <laughs> well, you have two PCs and a Mac, so right there <laughs> you definitely yes. have some uh, disagreements brewing. Yes. <laughs> we have a, a PC Mac household myself. I'm, I'm used to Macs. I have a PC now, but but yeah, <laughs> that in itself is a base difference. Definitely. Yeah, and I, I am like on the edge of getting my Mac, but I just can't bring myself to do it yet. You know, I've got three PCs at home, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm just, I'm like on that edge that I want to go do it. <laughs> it's an expensive step. It is, but it's so, they're so beautiful. They really are. <laughs> I know, and I'm really excited to get one, so I'll I'll eventually just take that big leap and, and do it. <laughs> there you go. So where did you three meet? Stephanie and I had 
met on World of Warcraft, and we had um, we had been friends for a couple of years. We raided together, and we played um, in AIE together. We were officers mm. in our AIE guild in World of Warcraft, and um, so we had known each other for quite a while. And we had actually gone out, um, and I'd met Nicole through Scott Johnson. Okay. And it wasn't Frog Pants Studios then. It was just the instance and with the woodworker um, or the wood whisperer and that type that's of Nicole's thing. That's Nicole's husband? Is that... Yes. Okay. That's his... his um, I mean, it's way more than a podcast that he does. It's um, He's got video and he has a whole um, community around his stuff. But I met her and then um, we kind of got together when we were all at BlizzCon. And we had kind of... You know, it, a spark hit between us all, and I think two or three weeks after BlizzCon a few years ago, you know, she she wrote me an email and she's like, "Hey, you know, we we have got to get together and do a podcast. I've been wanting to do this. Would you do it with me?" And I said, "Of course, I would love to." And she said, "Well, we need. I would really like a third person to balance it out and have a, a three person podcast." So we we were talking and talking, and I'm like, you know. Stephanie, I'm not sure if she plays other games, but you know, this girl's amazing and she would probably be great. And she's got this beautiful voice as well. <laughs> so we talked to her and um, we all decided, yeah, let's do it. And so we all came up with a name and a format and just got into it. And it's, we've been doing it for almost two years now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's been so much fun doing, doing a podcast with two girls that are not only my friends, but I really respect them. And we have such a good time together. And, you know, we've all traveled together now. We went to Dragon Con last year together. And um, we just have this great rapport that is, I, I hope it comes through in the podcast. It definitely does. I'm surprised you guys are some of the lucky few who get to go to the cons. It's like on the East Coast, we never we never have interesting things like BlizzCon and, you know, Dragon Con that are anywhere near my state. I feel like I have to travel at least, you know, several hours just to get to any of them. If you're in California, I guess it's wonderful. You have you have a whole host of cons you can go to all the time and cosplay and everything else. But Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and here in Dallas, we have quite a few, but they're very small. Um, and of course, Dragon Con is in Atlanta, and it's huge it is just massive and that is probably if I had one con to go through go to during the year it would definitely be that one because it is just it's amazing it's a sight to see and it just it's just amazing and the people you meet there are just wonderful and it's it's so funny because you think of the people you think who would go to a geeky con like that You'll see those people, but you'll see the whole gamut. You'll see people, you know, younger um, kids, all the way up to older people that, I mean, any kind of person you would think of, they are at Dragon Con. Wow. It's just, it's just amazing. Do you guys have a table there or you just go as guests and visit? Um, last year we did share a table um, for Frog Pants Studios and we shared it with the Twit Network and, um, well, it was Frog Pants and Twit was okay. on on the same table and um, you know we had some merchandise and stuff there um, we didn't actually sit on any panels last year um, it would be great to sit on some this year because they have a podcasting track mm. uh, and also gaming tracks so it'd be fun to do that but just going and seeing people there is it, that that part's just fun all by itself 
That's good. I'll have to keep that in mind. Uh, it seems like if you could only choose one, I always wondered which one you'd want to go to. And, and I kind of assumed it would be BlizzCon, but that's interesting. DragonCon, huh? BlizzCon is a lot of fun, but, you know, it's very focused. And really, the only thing that, uh, the thing that I found I liked best about BlizzCon was going and seeing all my guildmates and meeting so many people. That was really a great thing to do. But BlizzCon itself, was, you know, it, it was nice, but it was lacking in comparison to the kind of content you get when you go to DragonCon. Okay. Um, because DragonCon is five hotels in downtown Atlanta. You know, they have 75,000 people who go to it. There, You can go to any track you want. They've got any fantasy and science fiction and um, conspiracy theories and podcasting and, and video games. And it's just... There's just so many things to do there. And there's still so many people that you can meet. I have met so many people just going through Jagging Con and just talking with people. It's been it's been just amazing. So definitely my recommendation for a con if you can only go to one in the year. Would be that one. Yeah, that would okay. be that one. <laughs> So in AIE, my understanding of that is that the guild is so large that it kind of breaks off into tiny little pods of AIEs that have their own guild master and kind of are self-contained and they're all part of the larger AIE. Is that correct? Are you part of the main, like the original Scott Johnson, here's the, the first AIE, or are you one of the smaller pods of AIE? Um, they have... We started out, AIE was just one guild. When World of Warcraft came and broke it up and said, you can only have a thousand people per guild, mm -hmm. um, we did break it up into different um, guilds, but they're all common. So we, we try to say that everyone is in AIE. It doesn't matter if you're in AIE in Invictus or if you're in AIE Gravitas, it's all AIE. Um, but I did come from the original AIE, and I've still actually got one tune left in that original guild, and I just can't bring myself to, to get her out of there, <laughs> even though, you know, I'm an officer in the guild, so I, I have to invite people, um, and I can't invite anybody into that guild, so every time someone wants an invite, I have to get off her and go to another tune mm -hmm. and come back. I just can't bring myself <laughs> to take her out of the guild. It's like there's only a few people left, and you know, you just it's you know nostalgic, I guess. Eventually, yeah. I'll do it. It's like but... one of the uh, original items in World of Warcraft from the yeah. classic that you have, you just have to exactly. hold on to it. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Well, and um, it's it's funny within AIE. I think there are pods. You 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 do get your group of people that you hang out with, and um, you know, so it's not like you're friends with everyone because there's, you know, there's six thousand people in AIE. AIE. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but you do you do find your little group of people that you can hang out with, as well as meeting new people. So it's really cool. I think it's a it's a very unique community that we have and it's nice that we've gone into other places i mean we have a big eve community on aie right uh. now um we have a pretty big rift community already i think there's about 500 people in our gift our rift guild um and we're you know so we're trying to start to move out into the world and um get into other gaming areas and make communities in those as well and it you know because you already have these friends and you 
you would like to go game with them as well and still have kind of a, a safe environment, you know, that you know that, you know, there's not going to be a lot of jerky people in it because, you yeah. know, we're, we've kind of controlled that. So it's, I, I'm excited about AIE growing into a gaming community. That's always the way to go, I think. My experience with the people I talk to is that once a guild kind of gets established and they really like each other, they just sort of flow from game to game and as it kind of catches their interest and then they go back to other things. But it's always good to have that group of people that maybe plays three games at a time and you can kind of have a new guild with them, but it's still the same people just moving from uh, place to place, so that's good. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, within my raid group, and um, we were called Over the Hill Gang, <laughs> we we were all we are all like real life friends now. Um, you know, we've met up in a couple of places. My um, I've gone and stayed with a couple of them at their houses, and you know, hmm. visited them. And so it's been really neat that we've made real life friends out of out of this game. And I, I think that's kind of neat and community wise that that happens. And I think it's kind of unique in the MMO world that that happens. It seems that that's one of the characteristics of gaming that I'm noticing. Uh, it's in the podcasting world as well. It's a very small circle, and it's like once you know one person, they know somebody else and somebody else, and it, you find all these people that seem to have relationships with each other that you're not quite sure how that formed. You know? I'm <laughs> yeah. always wondering, like, what what is the connection between the instance and the ladies of elite, and and you know the morning stream, and and all these other things that seem to everyone seems to kind of know each other in the little world of, of <laughs> gaming. You know, it's kind of interesting. And it's funny that um, it, it really is almost incestuous, you know, it, <laughs> you don't want to say it that way, but it really it all, you, you start running in these little circles together and, you know, everyone at Frog Pants is just, I think Scott has put an amazing group of people together. And so it's, it's really, I, I'm kind of proud to be part of, of Frog Pants and those amazing people. I do love the morning stream. I, I love oh. to get on a IRC and just just sit there and listen to all the things that people say constantly. Oh, that is such a great show. And Brian and Scott and all the people who participate are just amazing. Uh, Brian, Brian is one of my favorite people in the world. He is so <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I met him at Nerdtacular last year, and then he, we were at DragonCon together. And, um, you know, so it's, it's again, you, you just continuously see these people in these different circles. How often do you say that you have gotten together with the other two uh, ladies, Nicole and Steph, in real life? How many times do you think you've, you've met in person, would you say? Let's see here. I've met Stephanie three times, and I've met Nicole... Um, three or four times. Um, um, she lives out in Phoenix and my family is in Phoenix. So I try to, you know, see her when I get out there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing that, you know, if I, if I go, I can, I know I have some place to stay at her house and, you know, we've got that kind of relationship, um, that we can do that, which is really nice. I do wonder which of you has the awesome connections uh, because I'm thinking when I listen to your podcast you just review so many games a week 
I'm, I'm thinking, I'm wondering how you have the inside that you end up getting like, you know, 10 games per person to play that week. How you <laughs> possibly have time for anything else in your life except for uh, testing. <laughs> yeah, we, we do play a lot of games. And um, that's one reason that our WoW has kind of suffered because we don't have enough time to play WoW. Um, it's been incredible. MapHook is um, our sponsor. And so they've been just amazing being a sponsor. They buy us a game a week. Um, or, you know, every two weeks, um, as well as, you know, giving one away to our, our winner of mm -hmm. that, that week. So they have just been incredible because it does get very expensive. <laughs> this is an expensive hobby okay. that we have. And, um, you know, when you want to play new games, especially, you know, if you're, um, sopping down 60 bucks for a game. So Absolutely. it does get, it does get pretty expensive, but map hook has been incredible. The time on the other hand is is something that you know we all struggle with a little bit but um, none of us have kids anymore I mean my kids are all grown and out of the house and um, Nicole and Stephanie don't have kids so that helps in the sense that you know our family obligations are less um, you know I think our work our work obligations still come into play but um, family wise we all have families that game with us and so that the support from our families help a lot too. So, you know, we're not always burdened with them, you know, saying, Oh gosh, that's all you ever do is play games. And <laughs> uh, you know, I, you always have to balance your life out, but it helps when you have families that understand that. Well, at least you have three of you as well. So you can kind of spread it out and, uh, Oh yeah, sign, you know, <laughs> a sign. How does that work? Does one person usually say we're going to do a show about this, and then they kind of delegate to the other people, or is it something that you all come up with? Who decides we, what show? Um, we all agree on doing um, playing a main game during the week or during the two week period. So we all kind of agree on the one game that will be our main game, and we don't always want to play the game all of us want to play the game but we all will be like like um oh what was that stupid game that i hate um i can't remember it but there's <laughs> there's one series that i just cannot stand and those two love it and so you know they i i went along and i played and you know i gave my opinion that i thought it was awful and everything um but then there's other games that that they like that I like to play that they don't. So it balances out and we get a nice cross reference of what we think about it. And then beyond that, we all go and play whatever we want and we talk about it. So we have the main game that we'll play and then we all play whatever else that we want during the week and talk about those as well. I like that Steph plays on the Mac because it doesn't affect me as much now, but I remember um, on my eMac, back, you know, maybe three months ago when you could still play World of Warcraft before the uh, Cataclysm hit and they kind of eliminated all the older machines and, <laughs> and kind of forced you all to upgrade. Um, I always wanted to know, you know, how a game would function on that because a lot of times it's sort of a, a under under-considered platform, I'd say, in the PC gaming world. Um, and it's always good to, to hear sometimes she says, uh, you know, they didn't consider things like jump. And uh, exactly. you know, she talks about the different keys that she had to kind of jury rig by going into the system software and rewriting this and that. And I'm always amazed by how she uh, manages to, to make that function. And 
and uh, at least tell the designers that, look, this is an issue for those people that are <laughs> playing the Mac. You might want to consider having them jump at some point. So, you know, and then get feedback. So I think that's good good for the people that play on that platform as well. Oh, exactly. And um, we appreciate that, you know, she takes the bullet for us as well. <laughs> yes. Because <yeah. laughs> Nicole has Macs as well, but she doesn't um, play, she doesn't game on them. It's more her podcasting stuff. So I see her with her Ustream and her big mic, and I assume she has like Garage Band and five other servers going behind her. I don't know. It's just interesting. This oh, she's got quite the setup. <laughs> yeah, yes, she is she definitely the technical brains behind our our whole operation. Thank goodness for her because um, half of the stuff that happens on our podcast would not happen <laughs> without Nicole doing it. <laughs> Uh, I, I think that we all have, like, we all know what our role is. Um, you know, Nicole is definitely the technical person. She's kind of the leader. Um, and she's very intelligent about the games. Stephanie is the one who can get in and she knows all the ins and outs. And she goes and she'll find all those little quirky things in the games. And, um, you know, she can remember every detail. And I think I'm kind of the... Um, comic relief <laughs> okay. i'm not the one who always finishes the games but you know i give a different perspective <laughs> on it and you're so the one who'll say like i really hate that you know <laughs> i appreciate it when you say that because i'm sure not everyone loves you know halo 5050 you know or whatever yeah. is being reviewed exactly exactly so it is it is nice that we all have different perspectives on the game on or and and how we present it so i i think that helps people too at least relate to one of us. If they can't relate to me being kind of more the casual um, type gamer, they can relate to Stephanie being the, um, she's pretty hardcore, and Nicole being more the technical one. So, you know, I think there's a cross, you know, everyone has something there. I agree. I like that. Well, I'll look forward to the uh, next episode. I think the last one I saw was uh, April 3rd or something like that was the last one, which, which may be, I believe it's 38. So I'll have to wait. Yeah, I was sick. Um, we were supposed to <laughs> yeah. record the same day I was supposed to record with you. Um, and I just could not talk. So we decided just to cancel that recording um, because we were recording or we were um, going to review a game that none of us liked. And none of us were excited about reviewing <laughs> the game. So we're like, you know, let's wait for Portal to come and then we'll have something exciting to talk about. <laughs> we try not to do that. But, um, you know, sometimes it just happens, it happens. and we have, to, we have to skip skip a recording, so. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Geekbits this week. Some of my friends there, and some of them have lost power because they're in the south where the tornadoes were and other things. And, you know, these, these things happen. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Oh, I hope they're okay and safe. That's a, that's a pretty scary thing. Yeah, well, we'll see if uh, Matt can start a fire in his living room and keep himself warm. <laughs> oh, man, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, we'll find we're, out. Um, yeah. I'm set to record an episode with them next week, I believe. So awesome. uh, <laughs> we'll see how we did cavemanning it out for this week. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's move on to news of the week. Uh, the PlayStation Network has been hacked, I think we all know, and a lot of personal data has been compromised. PlayStation's finally admitting how badly their security has failed, and in this second successful hack of its network, where things go from here, uh, no one really knows, but I would imagine a lot of people are kind of royally ticked off. Sony claims that it will compensate its users for this. I think uh, 
I've, I've heard that you guys are members of that because a lot of the games you play are on the PS3. Is that something that has affected you? Um, yeah, it really has. Um, you know, because you, you can't do a lot of your multiplayer without the PSN network. And normally you don't, you don't pay for the PSN network. So I'm not sure if Sony is going to reimburse the people who, who have the PlayStation Plus or if they're going to do something for everybody. Um, I, I'm curious to see why that, how that comes out. But also, it affects things like um, Portal 2. So Portal 2, if you bought the PlayStation 2 game, mm -hmm. you got the PC version for free on Steam. But nobody has been able to use it because the PlayStation, or I haven't, and the people who bought it after the network went down, have not been able to use that perk because the network has been down. So it's been affecting a lot more things than you, you probably think about right off the top of your head. And I mean, I imagine Sony is losing a ton of money because no one can go in and buy on their store and things like that. And the only good thing is I did see that um, they had credit card numbers encrypted, so there's no chance that our credit card numbers have gone out there, which is always a good thing. But still, when you know something that big happens, you always wonder about your own security. I was reading uh, about that today, and they were saying that credit card information has been compromised, and some people were getting uh, unexpected charges on their cards. So I would double check that with you. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, they were yeah. saying uh, that that they've been trying to downplay the the uh, security infiltration, and that it's really a lot worse than they've been saying. So oh, I would definitely urge people to double check their statements and make sure they they don't have a suit from Japan or something that they're not expecting <laughs> on there. Exactly, exactly. And um, you know, I I set up my bank account, so I it will, I don't use my credit card. I use my debit card, and I keep a minimal amount of money in that debit card. So even if I get hit, it's you know it. Um, I try to lessen the uh, very impact. Very smart thinking, okay. yeah. Yeah, because and that, also that keeps good. you from buying like a thousand outfits for your um, <laughs> for your <laughs> your sack boy, you know. Yes, yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> because I do, I do do that. I tend to, and it's so easy, even um, you know, on your iPad, and you know, things the in-game purchases on mm -hmm. your iPad and iPhone. Oh my gosh, that's just. <laughs> those, those are too easy to do sometimes. Definitely. I'm looking at the app and it's only $4.99, but if you buy 10 of them, it gets a little expensive. Exactly. <laughs> Other news in World of Warcraft, uh, patch 4.2 is the next to be released. And what they say is that stalwart adventurers will have the opportunity to test their metal in two new daily quest areas in Mount Hyjal area. One is the Firelands and the Molten Front so they will be a little bit different because they'll have some dailies for you if you're level 85 and above uh, with 60 new quests and the thing that i'm excited about is that there's a quest chain uh, in the firelands that will lead you to a fiery hippograph mount reward which looks Ooh, pretty neat nice yeah. and a new seven boss dungeon so firelands looking good yeah yeah there's a new dlc for magicka which was released uh there's a free one called leave chalice, chalice or challenge map pack and the one that you have to pay for um you can purchase is called the marshlands pack 
So if you like Magicka, you can check those two new DLCs out. And my friend just said that um, he's been playing the multiplayer on Magicka and he loves it. I haven't had a chance to do that yet, but he said it's just so much fun to do it with other people. It is very fun. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go do that because um, I, I love Magicka, but I haven't been able to try that yet reporting last time that Vietnam was the next one that had been released so there's some really neat jungle footage where you can run through with your uh, your team and and uh, set fire to the forest and all Oh that wow. Yeah. <laughs> Another round of uh, the StarCraft 2 cheats were banned this week by Blizzard and Portal 2 remains the week's best seller big surprise. Yeah. Uh, the Wii 2 is set to be released in 2012, and it's currently called Project Cafe, which I think is a very odd name, and they say that name will change. Good thing. Yeah, good thing. Yeah. Not that, gonna... but, but, you know, you got to wonder, Wii, when when the name Wii came out, everyone was like, what? That's crazy. Now it just rolls <laughs> off the tongue, but yes. I'm curious about what their next name is going to be. I thought that was kind of cute with the little guys standing next to each other forming the Wii. I thought that was a nice uh, logo to have. So I wasn't too upset by the name, but Project Cafe makes me hungry. It better involve food. <laughs> <laughs> there better be a bagel and some you know, <laughs> chips there. Exactly. <laughs> More will be announced on that at the Nintendo E3 conference. And... The Star Wars The Old Republic, or Tour as I like to call it, is set to be released at the end of the year, but some lucky individuals are getting playtime now. And I've heard a lot of kind of negative things about the game in the past, but the people that are playing it currently in this newer version say that the game is more influenced by Bioware than was originally thought. The design follows many of their successful games with options and the discussion choices and the storyline and companions you can bring or leave with you and gain social points with them so that they can give you different choices uh, about how they feel about you and sort of different quests based on that. So they said the graphics are good and the pictures I'm seeing are, are pretty, uh, pretty... Interesting. I think it's shaping up to give other MMOs a run for their money, so I'm excited this, about that. Yeah, I think of, of um, any of the MMOs that have been announced or have been coming out in the last even year, um, this is the one everyone's excited about and you hear the most about. And I'm, I've got high hopes for it. Um, BioWare is an awesome company and, you know, games like Mass Effect and Dragon Age, two of my favorite series. Oh, um, mine too. Mass Effect is I'm such a Mass Effect fan girl <laughs> it's ridiculous so hopefully you know it'll it'll be good I'm it's just another MMO MMOs take up so much of your time that true especially I Bioware can, yeah exactly <laughs> don't put that down when that comes out it's like just count me off for the next three days until I exactly <laughs> No. And and you do, and you'll go until 2, 3 in the morning because it's just, oh, just one more thing. Oh, just one more thing. And they're so engrossing that you just, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll take a sick day tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. But he loves me. I have to finish it. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> I'm glad that Bioware is actually having more input in this because the things I had heard originally were that they were just, you know, giving money and that they weren't really going to really be involved in the creation of it. And, and I'm glad because I think that's a great combo to have kind of a, a World of Warcraft or a Rift combined with a Mass Effect. So you have all the best features, which, which looks pretty good. So we'll see. Yeah, me too. Me too. There is a new first-person shooter out called Brink that's being released May 10th. 
And the thing about this that's a little bit special is it features a standalone dedicated server, which will allow anyone to run um, a dedicated multiplayer server personally for their own PC version. And its gameplay looks really smooth and fast. Uh, it's a lot like Halo in, in the sense that it's your, your typical you know, first person, here's your machine gun, and you're running through some sort of a metallic, you know, destroyed world and leaping over bridges and, and going around corners and, and shooting different things. And it's pretty neat. So check out Brink if you like that sort of thing. Um, and a new Rift patch is set to have uh, to be released on May 10th. It's patch 1.2. It's been moved back a little bit from where it was, and I think that's good. I think uh, Tryon should take its time and make it right and release it when it's ready. Well, and they, they've had a lot of hot fixes or smaller patches come out. And so I think they've done a good job responding initially. You know, when a new, when a brand new game like that, especially a big one like an MMO comes out, mm -hmm. you know, there's going to be lots of problems. So I think they've done a great job um, with their patching system. But yeah, a big one like that one, get it right. Test it, test it, test it. <laughs> that's right, and that's something they're very excellent at. I really like how they've had so many betas and then gone right into the game, and then they do the hot fixes on the fly. They add the servers, and, and when things go wrong, they correct it pretty quickly. So I'm a big fan of Tryon. They're also set to be on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. So Nice. Yeah, so we'll be interested to see what questions to ask them. So what is, what is the news for you this week? What, any games you're playing or any new and exciting things that you're up to? Um, the I have been engrossed in Portal 2. It has <laughs> been, and it's been nice because I played it through, and then I live with my 22-year-old son, and he played it through, and we, we saw different things, or, you know, we had a little bit different experiences, but we both sat here and watched each other do it, which was really kind of fun. And then we played the co-op together, which was a total blast. Ah, I was going to ask if you did that. That was perfect. Uh, you were oh, built-in yeah. player right there. Exactly. And we, we had so much fun doing it. So, yeah, the co-op. And seriously, be, you know, I had a really busy week at work this week, so all I've done is work. And I've done <laughs> Portal 2. <laughs> Portal 2. <laughs> Portal 2. That, that, is, that has been my life the last week. Um, I am, you know, I'm getting ready to move out to Australia in a month or so. So oh I've got a lot of things going on there, you know, packing up my house or getting things ready to, to move. And just, it's a big move and there's a lot of things I have to take care of. Yeah, no doubt. It's a long, it's a long distance there to, to get everything taken care of for. It is, it is, but exciting. I am, I'm very excited about my new adventure. I've been uh, playing Portal 1 because I never managed to get that done when it first came out, and I feel like I need to complete that before I move on to Portal 2 so I get the entire storyline. You know, it, you can play Portal 2 without playing Portal 1, but I, it's one of those games that I think if you go all the way through Portal 1 and you have such an appreciation for the game, um, it, it makes Portal 2 that much better. Because Portal 1 didn't really have a storyline. It, it, I mean, it had one, but it was kind of loose. Portal 2 has a very definite storyline. It's very well thought out. It flows so well um, that... If you play Portal 1 and then and finish it and play Portal 2, I think it, it just enhances it. You know, sometimes you don't always have to do that with games like um, Mass Effect. Mm -hmm. Mass Effect 1, it, it, was, it was a good game. I liked it. But you didn't have to play it to really appreciate Mass Effect 2 and, and get the whole thing out of Mass Effect 2. Yeah, they were um, very different. 
Yeah, the, and I think the gameplay was different enough that it it wasn't a big deal. But Portal, I I would definitely say play Portal One first. It doesn't take that long. You know, you could you could get through it in five hours if you wanted to, um, and then go on to Portal Two. Excellent. Well, that's my plan. I'll get through it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching yeah. uh, watching Tintin play Fallout Las Vegas. Oh, yes. I love that <laughs> I game, I want to too. play that, too. I haven't gotten to it, but I will. I will. <clears throat> on what on what platform are you playing? On PC? Yep, on PC. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I actually like it a little bit better on um, the PlayStation than on the PC, but I've played it on both. Really? And, What's yeah. the difference? Um, it's, I like the targeting, and it's, a, it's easier to do, like, the VAT system on the, PC, oh, or okay. on the PS3 versus the PC. I just found it um, easier to do on, on the PS3. So I enjoyed it more. And that's the that's the platform that I went to. I've got um, both Fallout 3 and Fallout Vegas on both on my PC and on PS3. And because I try to do that, try to, if, if I can, <laughs> if I can mm -hmm. afford it, try to do it on multiple platforms. And I like it on that the best. See, we have a PS3, and there's no reason that I can't be playing on it. But we still have, like, what is it, Final Fantasy 13 that I've been playing for the last year <laughs> that, that I've never finished, just sitting there. Pretty much just that and Little Big Planet 1 and 2. We just never use it as much as I should. I'm, I'm just such a PC platform person. And uh, well, and it. that's okay. You know, if you, if you find a platform that really makes you feel comfortable... Um, you know, that's what you should go with. I have a Wii, I have a Xbox, and I have a PlayStation and a PC, a gaming PC. Um, the PS3 is my favorite. I never play my Wii anymore, and I only use my Xbox for the Kinect. So, you know, it, it just <laughs> depends on what you use it for and what you feel most comfortable with. Um, I don't think, you know, people ask us that question a lot. You know, which platform should I go with? Um, and we always tell them, one, um, where are your friends playing at? Because that makes a big difference. If you're going to be on multiplayer, go where your friends are. Um, but beyond that, they're, they're pretty similar. And it's just whatever platform makes you feel most comfortable. For me, it's funny because I grew up you know, with the Nintendo and the, the PlayStation and the Sega, and it was all, you know, in front of the TV with the controllers. And something for me about the PC denotes serious game versus, uh. like, something I'm going to sit down for a half hour, then leave, then come back, then leave, then come back, you know. Yeah. If I sit at the PC, it's a four-hour thing, and then I know it focused, you know. If it's got a controller and I'm sitting in front of the TV, I'll just pick it up, I'll go get a snack, come back, you know. Uh, I, I can see that. I can see that because, you know, I think of World of Warcraft as like a serious game. <laughs> that, yes. you know, it's not a casual game. And so, you know, I sit down and I can play that for hours. But, I mean, for me, I can sit here on my on my chair and play my PlayStation, play something like Fallout for hours, literally. <laughs> Definitely so. That The game absorbs you. Yes, it does. Very much so. Let's get ready for questions! Let's move on to questions. Uh, I'm going to answer one of our listener questions, and then I'll give kind of my advice after that. And if you want to chime in and tell me what you think about that, that would be great. Awesome. Okay. Neurotic Biotic asks... A few years ago, PC Gamer UK magazine interviewed a Chinese man who ran his own farm and talked to some of the people actually playing at it. They were young people, and this guy's farm was a huge draw for otherwise impo 
impoverished kids from all over a large area. These people wouldn't have been able to get into further education, but they had comfortable, clean accommodations and made very, very good money themselves working as gold farmers. If I remember correctly, the dude who owned the whole thing had himself been a gold farmer elsewhere, and he and his friend there had saved their money to start their own farm. Uh, what are your thoughts on the legitimacy of gold farming? <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of an interesting question. Um, well, especially the perspective that he put he put on it there. He didn't just ask about gold farming. He put that, you know, that perspective of giving kids who probably wouldn't otherwise have that opportunity in there. That's right. So. It's like the United Way of gold farming. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Personally, the issue I have with gold farming is really its association to account hacking. Uh, I think waking up, and I've had this happen to some friends of mine, if you wake up and you go to play and then you discover that you can't get in and, that, and you know that your character is being dismantled and sold off piecemeal, I think that's pretty upsetting and, and I've seen it be upsetting to people. And then having to talk to the GM and get everything back, it's a huge hassle and in some cases you never get all of your things back. So the actual gold farming, I don't really have an issue with except that it violates the regulations of conduct that you sign and that makes it illegal. Uh, so there are many games like Second Life or Entropia and others where you can have a virtual business that gives you real money in real life. Um, if you've ever played Second Life, those costly skins that you get and the accessories is one way that, uh, that people get money. Yep. So, so there are ways for World of Warcraft and Rift to incorporate this if they choose to. And I think that would maybe direct the gold farmers in a more productive direction. However, this is their game and it's not a charity as we see because we pay an exorbitant fee every month. Uh, so I think, you know, that's really their choice, and if they haven't built, it, built that into the game, then it's not something that people should be taking advantage of. I think if a poor group of people want to make money through a game, they should go where that's part of the culture of the game and not commit illegal acts trying to hack the system. That's just my opinion. What's your no, thought? No, and I, I agree with you totally. I think that um, while it's nice that they can provide employment opportunity, um, it's still illegal. You know, it's still not within the the rights of the game that they're doing it. And yeah, being hacked is, and it's a personal affront to people. And you know, it makes you it makes you feel unsafe, even though it's a virtual thing. It still makes you feel unsafe. And so, yeah, I agree with everything. I personally don't really have a problem with it, except that um, it really does entrench on other people and and their rights and that that's not cool and i agree there are other games that they can go and and do that with i mean people in second life can make you know tons of money but mm -hmm. and i think that's a little crazy myself but yeah. <laughs> i mean it it happens so i'm always interested in and seeing people spend real money for virtual things. <laughs> That's always one of the, the sort of guidelines I've kind of put my foot down for myself. You know, as far as gaming, I will not buy a virtual item with real money. That's my, my line that I draw in the sand. But they're making it harder and harder, you know. It, or to. Make, yeah, because yeah. they, you know, they put these little things out there. You know, you've got your little sack boy. And, you know, they have a Mass Effect 2 costume you can put on him. And you're just like, oh, I want that so bad. But you're like, well, that's silly. Or, you know, they come up with these little pets in World of Warcraft that you're like, oh, that's so cute. I have to have it. And $25 later, you've got it. And you're like, hmm, mm -hmm. wow. I wonder why I really got that, you know. it. I, I can 
I can see, but they make it so tempting. They do. And World of Warcraft's the one where it's like people will say, what do you want for your birthday? I'll say, I want this. So and it technically doesn't violate the fact that <laughs> I haven't bought it, but somebody bought it for me. So, nice. Good way around it. <laughs> it still works out. It still works out. Okay, uh, let's move on to this article I saw recently, which I thought was pretty interesting about women and the first female fighting character to appear in gaming, which I never really thought about. You know, you have your Donkey Kong rescuing the girl and some other stuff, but they're not counting her because she has to be saved or you end up chasing her as a character. This character, her name is Alice Landale, uh, appears in Fantasy Star for Sega. And before that point, all female characters were either rescued or chased. And Alice is featured kind of in an anime style with a sword looking very Final Fantasy. Uh, however, though Nintendo pushed for it, she appeared in few games after this, and that's where we pick up in the article. So let me read what they said. Quote, unquote, after this, the Fantasy Star series continued and more female characters made their appearance, none of which seemed to have the same impact as Alice Landale. She was updated significantly for the PlayStation 2 title Fantasy Star Generation 1, but the game was simply an update of the original title and not a continuation of the series in any way. It is yet to be seen whether she will ever be utilized again in as a significant a format as she was on the Sega Master System. But the future looks dim for Alice Landale. Her position has been trumped by characters such as Lara Croft in the Tomb Raider series, and it's doubtful she will ever appear in video games again. Alice left her mark on the video game industry, but whether this has any lasting impact on the history of women in video games has yet to be seen. With series like Tomb Raider on the market, it seems hopeful, and yet also it has to compete with titles that reinforce age-old stereotypes such as Dead or Alive, Extreme Beach Folly, which has the sole selling point of showing voluptuous young girls in bathing suits jumping about. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on that article, and also, who was your favorite female character in any game you've played to date? Hmm, let me see. Well, uh, I think, you know, we've had this conversation on the podcast a few times um you know they there's always a balance that they have to strike with female characters they want somebody that women and men want to play um and they have to make them desirable but not too desirable and make them you know strong but not too strong and you know there's such a balance that they have to to strike with them unlike men you know that Pretty much all the men kind of look alike in in video games. You know, they've got kind of a video game looking guy. Um, you know, except for things like World of Warcraft, where you know, or diff, you know, when different types of um, races and things come out. Uh, probably my favorite one is Commander Shepard um, okay. from Mass Effect, because for one, I mean, she's a strong, she's a very strong personality, um, but she's got that feminine side to her as well, or you can play this feminine side to her, and and she's not this big voluptuous woman like Laura Croft is. So it's, she's kind of, I kind of feel like she's me. Well, that's the beauty of that, though. You can create her to look however yeah. you want. And, you know, she can be as voluptuous or as, you know, sporty or as, you know, blonde or red-haired or whatever. Whatever you want, you can make her, you know, to be what you think a female character should look like, which is excellent. 
But even when you do make her voluptuous, they don't put her in the costumes. Yeah, she's and, not wearing a bikini. She's definitely yeah. wearing military <laughs> exactly. I mean, armor. She's, she's still that, you know, strong woman who is, is a utility, you know, she's got a utility to do and you know she's got a a job to do so you know i don't think she's as like laura croft although i love the laura croft character and uh, the movies and the video games i've loved them all you know she's still a sex symbol versus <laughs> the you know yeah your shirt may also serve as a flotation device exactly and you know i remember that um there's a show called spaced that came out of the UK, and um, the guy who was playing it, Simon Pegg, played the main character, and, um, you know, he was mad at his girlfriend, so he was taking Laura Croft and just drowning her over and over and over, <laughs> because he was like, ah, she just represents my girlfriend, you know, <laughs> and and so now every time I think of Laura Croft, I think of that scene and I'm like, well, you know, now she just represents all women and he can just go kill her off over and over and over to get back at women. So I have a bad uh, that's disturbing. <laughs> connotation in, in my Very mind. Disturbing. <laughs> but I mean, I guess you can do the same thing with, you know, Second Life or, or um, The Sims to their character. Yeah, you can torture the Sims and all. But you know, ways. I think there's still a difference between like um Mass Effect and the Fallout. I never felt really that connected with my Fallout character even though she, you know, you can make her look not any way you want, but you know, you can make her look um different ways as well. And I just never felt the connection with her. Um I agree. I, it was like almost I don't know if it's because of the perspective where you're not looking at your character, you're looking through their eyes, but it seemed like more of, you know, kind of God mode where you're just like this entity yeah. that talks to people and you're not really, you don't have expressions or you don't say anything, you just observe, you know? I, I can see that, definitely. I can I can see the difference there. Um, and it's just weird that they're... The, the characters that you don't realize that are women either, like in Portal, you don't actually know that's a woman, um, especially in Portal 1, until you see, you know, there's like one or two areas that you can see it's a woman, and you're like, oh, that's a woman. <laughs> see, that, for me, that's my favorite character was Samus from Metroid. I was just about to say that one too, uh, Metroid, which you didn't really, you know, you don't realize it's a woman until if, the end. If, yeah, until later on. So, but that's kind of lame that you can replay it with her in a bikini. Then after that, it like unlocks bikini mode. <laughs> What's with that? Yeah, I think that's. I I think it's kind of funny that they do that, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but there's some of them like um, Banetta um, and the. Um, I don't remember her name on Bayonetta, but oh my gosh, that was just totally a sexualized character. And I don't think that they need to go that way with it. That when, when those characters are like that, I, I tend to shy away from playing those and just not play them. I, it's just, it seems over the top to me. So I agree. I like that there's, there's more women like strong women characters in video games, but I would rather have them like on drag. The I, I think Mass Effect 
does it very, or um, uh, not Mass Effect. Who does Mass Effect now? Bioware. What? Yeah, I think Bioware does their women characters very well. I think Final Fantasy does a pretty good job as well of of having you know female characters that you can kind of get involved with. I remember playing Final Fantasy VII and just loving Eris, and when she died, I just couldn't even continue the game. I had to stop. <laughs> I was just too upset that Eris wasn't going to be there anymore. And they are kind of like your <laughs> girls, sort of the anime girls, but they do have awesome powers, and you know they still fight well, and they and you know they have some kind of commentary that that's interesting I and mean, they are your your typical kind of thinner looking you know whatever you want to call them the giggly girls but but they do fight well and they hold their own and and uh, i think you can get involved with some of the characters too so I like well, what i find interesting is how many guys play women characters on wow or you know on other mmos i really find that um, fascinating because you know and they'll all say things like oh I just like to watch her run but yes, that's what they you say. know I you know I I know other other people too that they're like no you know I just I enjoy playing the female character and there are so many guys who play female characters like that and I just find that interesting because I don't know very many women who play male characters on MMOs I never There's... really thought about that. That's that's very true. I, I wonder if they feel like they can, they're not, you know, locked into acting a certain way when they play a female character. They can kind of, you know, relax a little bit more and enjoy the game and not feel that they have to, I don't know, be posturing or. Uh, yeah. I have, uh, I have to wait. I have to ask that in my next. There you go. Next question. Good question. <laughs> Kim from Ladies of Elite asks, why do yes. you play a female character? There, see? Yeah, because I'm I'm actually kind of curious about that. I know I know a lot of guys who do that, and I I only know a, a handful of women who play male characters. I mean, very very few. I don't have any male characters on my MMOs. I think the only male character I have in World of Warcraft is a blood elf, but that is kind of not counting. <laughs> it's almost a female character. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Yes. Oh, I do have a bank alt who's only like level three. He's a blood elf and I put him in a dress. So, <laughs> and you know, so that's all he does is run around doing my banking in his dress. His so. big bangs. and Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, anything else you wanted to add to the things we've discussed before we close? I kind of think we're wrapping up now. No, this has been this has been a very good conversation. I've really enjoyed this. I have very too. It was great. I'm so glad that we finally got together. Yeah. It sometimes with schedules, it's so hard to um, you know plan out your time and work and and traveling and everything. So I'm glad we finally got together. <laughs> Feel free to add me to your fellow lady podcaster links if you like on your site. I did think that was kind of a neat feature you had. Of course. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's what, you know, we really try to um, build up our um, uh, neighborhood of lady podcasters because I think, um, especially in the geeky part of it, you know, we're in the minority. So <laughs> it's always good to get out there and promote other podcasts. We're all about that. A big thank you to Kim for being on the show. You can reach her at ladiesofleet.com and check out the podcast, or you can find her on Twitter at JustKimolly, J-U-S-T-K-I-M-O-L-L-Y, and let her know you liked her episode. 
I'd like to say thank you to my sponsor, MapHook. Uh, please join my group, The Gray Area Podcast, on MapHook. And if you would like to support this podcast, you can click on the sponsor link on my homepage. Join me on Twitter as Gray Area Podcast, and you can talk daily and join the conversation. You can also visit Genesee.com to add discussion on this episode. If you have any gray areas in your relationships or just need a new perspective, you can email me your questions at genesegray at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week with a new episode.